no matter what time, effort, money is spent on doing a program like this, to save one life, it's all worth it. And to hopefully prevent many uh, situations where a farmer may have thought twice about getting into that bin, or if he did, maybe he did tie himself off. So those are the kind of things we want him to be thinking about, and that's the thing that we will continue to preach as we do this program with our, our great buddies from Mississippi to help us do this, uh, this program around our state. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Louisiana Farm Bureau podcast. I'm your host, Carl Wiggers. And today I've got Wendell Miley and Matt Sergo from Louisiana Farm Bureau's Safety Department. They join me to talk all about grain bin safety. This week is National Grain Bin Safety Week, and it lands perfectly with our annual grain bin safety trainings that we host around the state. This year, we have workshops scheduled for the last week of February in IOTA, Melville and Jonesville. You can find out all about these workshops at the links in the show notes. And if you want to learn more about them, listen to this podcast. You're going to love it. It's a great conversation with Wendell and Matt on the Louisiana Farm Bureau podcast. I'm joined now by Wendell and Matt Sergo, Wendell Miley, Matt Sergo from Louisiana Farm Bureau. And you guys, uh, safety is y'all's one, one of y'all's big areas of focus. And this week, uh, we're talking about grain bin safety ahead of our grain bin safety workshops that we've hosted now for how many years, Wendell? 10 years we've, we've had it? We've done training for 10 years now across the state. Yes. So this is the 11th year that we're Correct. doing that. And it's going to happen in a, in a couple of weeks. And we'll talk more about details in a minute. But Wendell, this started before I was around, before Matt was around. Where did, where did this kind of, how did this begin? Tell us the, the backstory of this. Yes. Uh, Caddo Parish, North Caddo Parish, there was a, uh, a fatality involving a grain bin. Not inside the grain bin, actually on top of the grain bin. And since that day, um, when, that, when that occurred, uh, Marty Wooldridge, uh, our first vice president with our organization, uh, he called me and said, we need to do something on grain bin safety for our farmers around the state. So I said, OK, we will we will begin to seek that out. So the guy, the national expert, Dan Neenan, is out of northeast Iowa, works for a community college up there. But uh, we contacted him. He had built a portable grain bin trailer for training and uh we scheduled him to come down to louisiana that following season and uh that's where it all began we did one training there the next year tried to do it again in caddo got snowed out but moved over to northeast louisiana and crowville did complete that one and then the following years subsequent to that mississippi farm bureau got a grant a hundred and something thousand dollars to build their own trailer. They used uh, the outline, I guess, of what Dan had built and made some improvements on it. And uh, was also had enough money to, to purchase a four-wheel drive pickup truck to haul it around their state. And they began doing training for their farmers. And then we started piggybacking on their trailer to come to our state to do it around the state for our folks. So it's kind of worked out as a great partnership yes, since then. very much so. I know... That at that fatality ten years ago, it probably still hits that community. So when we make a call like this, saying, "Hey, we're doing a training. This is happening in this part of the parish, this part of the state." What's the reception like? What 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 are, what are the farmers saying? What do what do you hear back from? You know, um, uh, it, it's been attendees. I it's guess. been it's been 
pretty amazing. Yeah, because we, we've had as little as 30 show up at a, at a uh, training. We've had up to 130 before. So the, the reception of it around the state has been really nice because there's just hadn't been before this much education on grain bin safety for our farmers uh, around the state of Louisiana. So we've been really pleased. And once you guys got involved with this from the social media standpoint, um, the message really was able to be spread uh, better. And uh, we've just uh, got a lot of good support with this program for the last decade. Yep. Matt, I'm going to bring you in because you've You've kind of gotten to see this already. It's already established, but you kind of got to uh, come and and learn about this, I guess, from a you've got a safety background and your safety mindset. I know very much so. But the uh, the grain bin is probably a new experience for you from that standpoint of safety. What what was your kind of take when you kind of came to one of these first workshops? It's funny enough when I started, um, I think the second one is when you were like, all right, let's go get sunk in it. So I actually got to experience being sunk in the grain. And uh, it was an amazing experience. And under ideal conditions, it can be a bit unnerving. So then to put yourself in an experience of... Ideal meaning like safe, controlled. Yeah, nothing's bad. six feet of grain. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's the safest entrapment that can really happen because you're surrounded by firefighters. It's in a very controlled environment. And even then, when they build that wall around you and that final panel goes down and it kind of goes dark, you're like okay, I know I'm okay and I'm safe and everything, but if you have a fear of claustrophobia, it's going to be found out in front of a bunch of people. Mm-hmm. With a camera on you. Yeah, with a camera on you. Yeah. So it was pretty, uh, I guess, a pretty impressive experience, I guess, for you. I mean, it made quite the impression, I'm sure. It was. It was impressive for a number of reasons. A, um, you know, the groundwork that you guys had already done, for me to come in and experience it was great. And then on top of it, the Mississippi guys, um, they have that dialed in to such an amazing presentation that even though I've seen this now, this will be my sixth time seeing it, it's impressive every single time. Mm -hmm. And the way that these guys operate and the way that these guys hold this training is just, it's, you have to see it to believe it. Right. Um, One of the other things that's very impressive, you talk about the the Mississippi guys, they're they're not just kind of shooting from the hip. They've gone through some extensive training on their own to be able to put on these kind of workshops. Um, I guess, you want to talk about some more about them and those guys and how how important they've been to this? You know, I, I think their their teacher was Dan Neenan, the guy that got it started up in that part of the country, up in Iowa. Uh, they did spend a good bit of time with him in some of his trainings. And uh, as I said earlier, that's when they were able to put together the monies to get their own uh, a portable bin to, to go around the state. So uh, it's um, I, I, I'm, I'm sad to say that the guru with Mississippi Farm Bureau has retired. Last year was his last last time to do training for us in Louisiana, John Hubbard. But uh, mm-hmm. there are two other capable guys that are continuing to do it, Benton Mosley and Matt Hammonds. Hammonds is the new guy uh, on staff. So uh, we look forward to working with them here in the next few weeks on this program. Tell me about kind of what this workshop looks like, Matt. You kind of, I know you said it's a very well done presentation. What is like when, for someone that's coming to this workshop, maybe is like, uh, I mean, what am I getting myself into? What is, what, what are we getting ourselves into? So generally what will happen is it's kind of split up in two segments. Uh, Everybody will show up. They'll go and do a classroom segment. Traditionally, that's where John would go ahead and he had a firefighting background. So he was talking directly to the firefighters, a whole slide presentation. Hey, this is what it looks like, how you're getting trapped, the reasoning behind it. So it's giving those firefighters that ability to kind of put themselves in a farmer's, how do they end up here? Mm -hmm. You know, which is so important when you're running a rescue. It's, it's understand, you have to understand 
all the little intricacies. You know, grain dust is now an issue with explosions. It's a confined space. You have to worry about air quality. So they go through that whole experience. And then what they do is they come out to the simulator and we'll usually do about two or three rescues, depending on how it runs. Um, so we can usually suggest about two rescues, uh, which usually take around 15 to 20 minutes, kind of depending. And then uh, a lot of times we'll also let the firefighters actually practice their V cuts. If that person is submerged, they can then expect what it's like to actually cut into silo metal and uh, get that experience as well. That's kind of fun because you know, that's when usually everybody kind of wakes up because people kind of walk around, oh, it's really cool. And then they hear the, the saw start and they're like, oh, I want to go do the that. The saw start and sparks <laughs> yeah. start flying yeah. and people yeah. pay attention and perk up. There's also yeah. a meal involved for anyone. Mm -hmm. Typically, there's always a meal. and uh, We feed you in Louisiana. Yeah, it's <laughs> true Louisiana fashion. So if you're, if you're coming, just know there will be some food, I'm sure. One of the things you mentioned, it takes 15 to 30 minutes for one of these simulations to happen. In the real world, what are we looking at? hours yeah so the entrapment can take uh you can be trapped if there's an auger running in as little as four to five seconds once that grain goes up past your knees you are not getting out by yourself uh you cannot pull that person out because you will cause them immense bodily injury just from the pressure alone mm -hmm. so the rescue has to start there and then you're talking under if that person is still above the grain that's a different rescue. We can build the wall around them. The firefighters build the wall and then they'll get in there and get that person out. That will take hours. If it is a person that has become submerged and they have to actually cut that grain bin, it can easily turn into a nine to 12 hour endeavor. I mean, yeah. in, in no time. So and, a couple seconds can result in hours of rescue. And in most cases, if it's someone that's submerged and it's taken hours, that's a recovery, not a rescue, correct? In yeah. most situations, yes. Mm -hmm. Very, very true. Yep. Um, Matt, I'm looking in front of you. I, I see you have a very cool, for people that are listening, which is everyone, uh, there's a really <laughs> cool like graphic here. And it, it's pretty, I say cool, it's well laid out, but it's kind of gut-wrenching to look at. Can you kind of go through what this is showing, Matt? Yeah, so what it's kind of showing is, um, you know, the number one way that people get trapped in these grain bins is usually there's an auger running. So they either, it could be a lockout tagout wasn't done. It could be that they're just trying to save time, whatever it might be. If that auger is running, you have two to three seconds to react that, oh, I'm getting sucked into this grain. It'll be then four to five seconds until you're entrapped and you can be totally submerged in about 22 seconds. And what happens is that grain forms a funnel. It's kind of like a fatal funnel and that body or that person will go wherever that flow of grain is. And that's one thing we train the firefighters in is if the person is submerged and they start getting that grain out, that person is going to end up where the grain is flowing. Mm -hmm. um, the other thing is it'll kind of also break down the other two ways that people get uh, entrapped in grain. It could be a grain avalanche. So say that the grain is crusted on one side and they go up with either a grain vacuum or they use a pole to try to break that loose and more comes over them and they get kind of pushed off to the side. And then also if it's a bridge. So just like if you're walking over thin ice, you don't know, and you're sitting there poking and prodding, and you walk in the middle of the bin thinking, oh, this is all grain, and then it collapses and you fall in, and that's a, that's a really rough day. Yeah. Um, so you're kind of getting somewhere I wanted for us to talk about mm -hmm. is best practices, and I know that's what we're going to talk about. That's a big part of this. It's not just rescues, but it's also how to avoid the need for an – how to avoid an entrapment. Mm. And I feel like even if someone doesn't come to a workshop where they can kind of get all of this information, this might be a good place that we could offer some of that value. What are some of the things that y'all have learned and told farmers and people that are getting into these grain bins? What are some of the tips I guess y'all would offer 
uh, like number, what's the number one, like do number one, don't. As I sit here and, and, and think about this topic, if they have to get into that bin, tie yourself off. I think if you're tying yourself off and if that happens to you, you begin to be sucked down into the grain, then hopefully you will not be carried down into that grain because you're tied off from the top. And that to me is probably the number one thing. If they're in the bin, they have to get in there to walk it down, to try and break it free, to whatever reason they're, reason they're in there for, if you're tied off, you have on that harness, the rope above you, then I think that's the number one thing that would save lives because of uh, what, what that system will do for you and prevent you from being sucked down into that grain. Yeah. How important is a second person? It's completely invaluable because too often what we hear happen is, you know, farmer didn't come home from dinner. Where is he? Well, last I heard he was going out to the grain bin and he was getting in there, sweep auger, whatever it might be that he had to go in there. And now he's been in there. We don't know how long. It could have been he got out there in the morning. It could be that it was a couple hours ago. And so having that extra person with you is going to help you in a multitude of reasons. A, it'll have a time log of when that person was trapped so that rescuers know what timetable they're working against. And B, if something happens, say that auger kicks on. That person can go and shut it off. They can call for help. Um, they can kind of be there to also be an emotional support for that person if they become entrapped, which is incredibly important. When it's dark and you're alone, you do not want panic to set in because that can really cause issues for people. Kind of suck you down a little bit more. Probably. It can. Um, one thing you mentioned, building the wall. Mm-hmm. That's something that I learned about when we started doing these, that there's a, uh, the Great Wall of, uh, what, what do they great call Great Wall it? of Rescue. The Great Wall of Rescue. Yeah. It's a, uh, a pa- panel-based kind of cylinder that can be put together and assembled around someone that, who has become entrapped. Um, how important of a tool is that, 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 that piece, of, a piece of metal? It's the most important. I mean, that if you can get that established around that victim, you're likely to have a safe recovery because you've stopped the flow of grain around that person. And once that wall is established, then the process of removing that grain from that victim begins. And uh, hopefully at that point, you're going you're gonna to save somebody's life. One thing uh, this week, you and I were talking about this, Wendell, that that's it's not a, it's some sheet metal, you know, somebody might look at it and be like, oh, it's just some sheet metal, but it's not a cheap, um, no. it's not a cheap piece of equipment, no. safety equipment, especially um, something that you probably ideally will never have to use. That's the other thing. It's kind of an insurance policy you hope to never have to, to cash in on, but it's about what, $4,000? Yeah. If you, if you looked at the entire rescue tube kit, the rescue tube itself is anywhere from probably twenty five to $3,000. And then if you purchase the additional grain auger is about another grand. And then if you begin to add other things, harness, ropes, uh, other equipment, uh, it could run it up a little bit, but it's a small amount of money for the good that it's going to do if that situation ever occurs on your farm. You want that rescue tube close by to be able to begin the process of getting them out that grain. One thing that I know that's happened since y'all have started hosting these workshops, I say y'all, we I don't want to take credit because I've just been a bystander in this, but since these have started happening, those tubes have started to appear around Louisiana. Do you remember when the first one was bought and, it, and kind been, of that process? It's probably it's been? been close to the time when we started. I can't give you an exact date, but you are seeing more and more communities uh, purchasing these things and hopefully placing them in locations within the parish that they can be easily gotten to if, if a situation arises. Right. It's so valuable. I know um, 
I know even farmers are looking to have some on their own farms just for, for themselves, but it's also, it can be a resource, be a tool for, for neighbors, for neighboring communities even. And that's one thing that they, that the presentation kind of focuses on is it's an investment in the community itself. So if a farmer purchases that tube, hey, he just also possibly saved the life of his neighbors, of anybody else, fire departments buy these things. And the, one of the first questions that John would ask now that he's retired is he goes, okay, who can raise their hand and tell me where the nearest uh, rescue tube is? And it's usually silence. And he goes, mm-hmm. y'all might, when we get done with this, may want to try to figure out where that might be. Because yeah. when that call comes, you know, it's going to start, we're going to start trying to figure out where it is. Yeah. One thing that's been, I think, really cool to see going to these workshops are the number of firefighters, first responders, paramedics that you see and, and volunteer firefighters that maybe have a, a nine to five elsewhere that also respond in times like this. And especially in rural communities, you have a lot of volunteer firefighters, but you see a lot of those guys at these workshops. How important is that for them? I mean, they're going to be the ones responding. That's right. And that's typically why they're done at nighttime, because they have that nine to five job. And this is uh, something on the side that they do. So we try and make sure it's it's done in the evening so we can get as many of those guys first on the scene guys. They're going to be the first ones there and get as many of those guys trained in what they're supposed to do and not do when it comes to trying rescuing somebody out of a grain bin. Yeah. I feel like these workshops while we do encourage farmers and folks, you know, that maybe work at elevators or work at uh, shipping facilities or whatnot, those guys are important to come to these. But I think it's even more important for the other party, the folks that aren't around these grain bins daily to come and like understand what they're getting into. Like you mentioned, like how to cut on that, that uh, type of steel that is not flat. <laughs> so I think that's one of the really great things that I've seen about this. Let's talk about some details. Um, we have three trainings coming up at the end of this month, Matt. We do. So Matt, where are we going to be this, uh, this in a couple weeks for these trainings? So the first one's going to be held uh, Tuesday, February 27th. We'll start that at 530. That's going to be at Jared Fry Farms. Uh, that's going to be in Iota. That's actually a repeat location. Uh, we went there back in, I think, 2018. Um, Acadia Parish Farm Bureau is actually going to be hosting that one, which is great. Uh, Wednesday is going to be February 28th, again, starting at 530 at uh, Canatella Outdoors in Melville. Again, that is another repeat location. And then our new location is going to be held at Thursday, uh, February 29th, again at 530. That is going to be at CC Planters Gin, and that is in Jonesville. Okay. And these two repeat locations, what was it like when we started to book these? Did we said, hey, we need some places in South Louisiana? What, what was the response? They like, were Wendell? on board because, because we had one set in stone already, and then we were looking for other ones. So as I got on the phone and made these contacts, um, they were more than willing to agree to be a host again because they know the importance of these trainings and this educational component on this topic. Mm-hmm. Uh, because typically, you know, through the years, Carl, we've always heard the numbers or percentages of fatalities around the country being in the 60 percentage range. But we were just we just participated in a webinar a couple of days ago. And according to the latest statistics, that number has come down to around 32 percent, which is fantastic, which tells me that the effort that's been put into grain bin rescue training over the last decade or so has really had a big impact in reducing the death rate because of education and because more of these tubes are around the country right. and close by to be able to begin that retrieval process. Unfortunately, we know this, that 
there are still fatalities and there will continue to be fatalities. It's just a dangerous job in the ag world. But getting to move that needle, seeing that data change in, in a positive direction is got to make you feel good, right? I mean, it really does. It was, it was quite alarming to see that number because I've all everything you've ever seen through the years has been, you know, somebody is in a grain bin and they and they get submerged. It's typically 60, 70 percent fatality rate. But evidently that number has continued to come down and we've seen a dramatic decrease in the actual death rate, which is just fabulous. I know we've had some successful rescues here in the state since this training has started. Wendell, does that make you just... Uh, I don't want to say proud, but does it make you, I mean, it makes all the work, all the headache, you know, all the it phone does, calls worth it, right? It does, Carl, because no matter what time, effort, money is spent on doing a program like this, to save one life, it's all worth it. And to hopefully prevent many uh, situations where a farmer may have thought twice about getting into that bin, or if he did, maybe he did tie himself off. So those are the kind of things we want him to be thinking about, and that's the thing that we will continue to preach as we do this program with our, our great buddies from Mississippi to help us do this, uh, this program around our state. Anything else we need to tell folks about coming? Do we need to register? Do we need to... Yes. How, how do we do that? So uh, what you can do is reach out to uh, those parish farm bureaus. That's going to be where the registration is going to take care of. At the IOTA location, you can register with uh, Kathy Habits over at Acadia Parish Farm Bureau. Uh, for the Melville location, you're going to want to register with Emily Quibido, uh, and that's at the St. Landry Parish Farm Bureau. And at the Jonesville location, you're going to want to uh, register with Summer Gamar at the Catahoula Parish Farm Bureau. Perfect. And, and if you're a firefighting department, bring your, uh, bring your turnout gear if you want to cut. Say that again. If you're a firefighter and you want to actually practice the cutting, make sure you bring a turnout gear. Yeah, perfect. You don't want to do that in jeans and t-shirt. No, <laughs> <laughs> I've been close. Sparks are flying. I've been yep. close trying to get video before, and uh, I've had to back that thing up. I'll say yep. that. Um, I'm going to put information in the show notes of this podcast for people to sign up and find more information about this. And we've all, we've done stories on this for years now. Uh, so I'll also link a couple of those in the show notes, guys. Thank you so much for the work that you're doing to protect our communities and our rural communities, our farm communities, and keep those, those farmers safe and, and equip those first responders with tools they need, the resources they need to make, uh, to, to make a difference in their communities, which is really what we're all here to do. Thank you, Matt and Wendell. Again, if you would like to attend these workshops, please head over to our website. I have links in the show notes for you to find all the information you need to sign up, to register ahead, as important as it is to invite your neighbors, it's more important to invite the first responders in your community to come to these events. They will be the ones to be there for you whenever you are the one in need. If you want to learn more about becoming a member of Louisiana Farm Bureau and supporting the work like this that's happening across the state year round, head over to the links in the show notes to join and become a member today. That's it for us today on the Louisiana Farm Bureau podcast. We'll see you again right here next week.